Monsters Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by Professor Wagstaff, Venomous Vinny, Hot Toddy. Good to be with you again, friends. As we record during the Corona Mania, please bear with us on the audio quality, knowing that we are not in studio with our soundboard. We're recording over Zoom, and so everybody's got different microphones. Things aren't the greatest, so thanks for sticking with us this far and continuing to do so. We appreciate the support. Tonight, we have got Another installment of the Monster Mash. You know the format. We each pick a movie, make each other watch it, and then we talk about them. No real theme, except tonight's theme is everything was a real bummer, except for one of the movies. (laughs) And so, uh, I am Grizzly Abner, and I chose High Tension. I'm the professor, and I picked One Cut of the Dead. Venomous Vinny. I chose I Am Legend. And Hatati, I chose the dark and the wicked. All right. Looks like we're going to lead off. What's that? What's that, Vinny? Wicked. Wicked. Uh, we're going to start with my film, which is High Tension. Tati, tell us the dates and the details. High Tension or Hot Tension. <laughs> <laughs> 2005, written and directed by Alexandra Aza. And then it starts a bunch of French people that I'm not even going to read. So I don't want to offend, offend those people right now. They already have the Pepe Le Pew controversy. So we, 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 so it's a real simple setup y'all. Uh, okay. So I'll tell you why I picked it. Um, I've only seen it once before this and I was not crazy about it the first time I watched it and, but it got a lot of traction, lots of fanfare. And my wife really likes it. I thought, you know what? What the hell? Let's try it again. Uh, Once the media told you what to think. (laughs) (laughs) Wake up, sheeple. (laughs) Uh, Any of the other guys' first impressions or what you were coming to this film with? Um, This is, I think, only the second time I've seen this movie. Randomly watched this with old roommate uh, Eric Davis when he worked at Family Video. (laughs) <laughs> he brought this home um, uh, and we just randomly watched it. And to think back now on uh, watching, you know, this kind of uh, French extremism movement with uh, Eric Davis, who's not a horror junkie, is almost as surreal as the movie itself. <laughs> <laughs> I had never even heard of this movie, so this is my first experience with it. Welcome to the scene, nerd. <laughs> 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 I, I do like that how you described why you wanted to watch it again was almost like butt sex. I'll just stop there. Um, <laughs> I saw this. Um, I'm taking word for it, bud. So I saw this in Richmond 
at the movies, which uh, anybody from Richmond knows that um, I, I believe the version I watched was all subtitles. Um, so needless to say, those aren't the best movies to watch in Richmond on a on a weekend night because uh, usually here like the people that thought they were going to see a Steven Seagal movie instead, and uh, usually they're like, if I wanted to read <laughs> a goddamn book. So um, th- those movies are always fun to watch people walk out, though, so good time. That's the con- country-ass tension. Uh, I haven't watched this in a while, and actually when you picked it, I was kind of dreading watching it just because I was like, eh, not in the mood. Um, but uh, as I started watching it again, it's, I don't know, it's actually pretty good. It, it prob- maybe I watched it too many times the first time. But it's been so long since I'd seen it. And I watched it with three people that have never seen it. So it's kind of fun watching, uh, waiting for the twist to happen and, and watching their reaction. So What a twist. We. <laughs> oui. Okay, so it's a pretty simple setup. You got a couple of uh, gals on break from university. Uh, they head to South France to one of the gals. Um, I'm sorry, one of the women. Her, uh, her parents own a little country cottage in South France, and they're just trying to uh, get out, uh, get away for a little time, get their homework done, get caught up on things, and just get a, get a fresh perspective. They're there to study, not party, they say. And um, it starts with a weird cold open of uh, one of the women sitting in, in like a hospital or even a, a jail and she's like, ah, I just, I have this crazy dream of me chasing me. And then uh, you get this other weird thing of this guy who uh, stole the truck from Jeepers Creepers. And, <laughs> I thought the same thing. And he, uh, <clears throat> he is having sex with a decapitated head. Uh, and then I thought he, it was Al Snow driving that truck. Clearly a grizz pick. <laughs> and then he throws it out the window. And uh, the girls get to their destination. It's a little late at night, and they're going to settle in for the night and relax. Anybody got anything to say at this point? No, I mean, it's it's a pretty straightforward setup. Yeah, it's, I mean, the whole movie, except for the quote-unquote twist, is uh, pretty straightforward. So, no. I wasn't expecting the scene where uh, she flips her bean before bed. <laughs> Yes, after seeing her friend <laughs> in the shower. Putting uh, the hot and hot tension. Sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is this is not gonna win us any fans. Uh, <laughs> right after you mentioned Jeepers Creepers, it's all fucking falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> but, well that's the funny thing is this kind of the setup, right? She sees her friend in the shower, she uh, is pleasuring herself. And you're wondering, what does the title High Tension mean? Could it be sexual tension? Maybe. Should we go on? Yes. Okay, we're going on. So, um, all of a sudden, Jeepers Creepers guy appears uh, at the the property. And uh, he immediately kills the dad and the dog in pretty brutal fashion. Uh, bashes the dad's head. The dad like sticks his head through the stairwell banister, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> Didn't um, the guy force his head in there? So he uh, yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah. And does he hit it with a bookcase St- or a piano? It's still a highly improbable kill scene, I might add. 
It's very Looney Tunes. Yes. Um, but basically, yeah, he shows up at the house. He's banging on the door in the middle of the night, and this all this starts happening. Um, the girl, the woman who is traveling with the, the woman who is the daughter, she hides because she kind of sees this happen because she hears him coming too because she's up late. And then uh, it just escalates real quickly from here. So she hears her friend being chained up and what we can only presume is probably being raped as well. Um, while she is hiding in this closet, well, she finally makes it to this closet to hide. The mom runs in there and she is then killed by the guy and gets her hand, her, her, yeah, her hand cut off in a real brutal fashion. And then the little brother takes off running into a field. Well, this dude goes out and shoots the little brother with a shotgun. That's the point where I was like, all right, they have, they have checked off both Stephen King things in the first half hour. They've killed a dog and a kid. And yeah. corn. <laughs> and corn. <laughs> and then, uh, so, the killer takes um, the daughter out to the van, locks her in. The friend gets in with the daughter. And we're off to our next location. Anything to say before that point? I think I think when it takes off, it to me it is unconventional because of uh, the friend, because she actually she actually uh, throws her stuff under the bed because the guy would have no idea that she would be there. Uh, and she goes in the bathroom and and cleans out the sink even. And uh, so when he goes in and checks, he just thinks that it's another empty room. Yeah, I was like, boy, that's clever. And then the guy walks in and checks the sink for wetness. I was like, boy, this this guy sure is thorough. He then put a white glove on and seen the last time they dumped it. <laughs> that, oh, I, that's the premise. That's why he's there to kill them all. That he doesn't appreciate how dirty they are. I respect that. You once <laughs> called me Dexter for doing dishes during a movie I was playing for friends over at the house. Uh, uh, no, you were. You took the moment to clean up the front of your dishwasher while you had company. <laughs> Dexter, yeah, I believe it. I don't remember, but uh, I do like tidiness. Um, that I do like about this movie is that it it feels very nightmarish and almost like a fairy tale at times. And I think the setting uh, with going out to this cottage and then you know we we end up in the forest at times. I think that really puts a charm to this. Not charm, but it it enriches what is a pretty simple plot. Um, and I think it really begins with that home invasion. It just, it definitely feels different than American movies. Um, and I think that it continues to, from that point on where we, we journey along with this craziness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it doesn't shy out on the brutality either. No. So we get to the next location, a gas station convenience store, if you will. Slash subway station. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, while he's getting gas for his Jeepers tr Creepers truck, she <laughs> runs into the gas station and she's pleading with the uh, cashier for help. Uh, she wants a phone. You know, she's just trying to do anything that she can. Um, so then he comes in and she hides. And... He wants some liquor out of the locked liquor cabinet in the gas. Don't we all? <laughs> and then he uh, he kills 
he, the killer kills the gas station employee and then rolls out in his van. She stays there, calls 911, um, and they're a real jerk to her. They're like, where are you? She's like, I don't know. They're like, well, then don't, don't call us. <laughs> they're like, this dude's murdering people. They're like, we don't care. You can't tell us where yeah. It's like uh, World War II all over again. Somebody <laughs> else come help. Yeah. Um, and this was interesting. So this time around, I'm trying to remember. I don't know. Maybe you guys can help me out here. But when I was watching this, this film, it started in dub. Then it goes to subs. Then it came back to being dubbed. I thought that was very odd as well. I don't understand why they didn't commit just one way or another. And so maybe uh, that has to do with the plot. What about, Professor, what were you saying? The one I watched was all subtitles. All subs. Mm. Okay. What about you, Toddy? This version <clears throat> was what you just said. Okay. Which I watched because I, I cursed you for a good 20 minutes while I looked for this damn movie. Because I was <laughs> like, I know I had it on DVD somewhere, but I had long gotten rid of it. And uh, I couldn't find it on anything but Tubi. Tonight's episode <clears throat> is brought to you in part by Tubi. Uh, <laughs> it, it might be on Tubi. Okay. Which yeah, I picked might... up a Blu-ray of it for dirt cheap at Family Video years back. I, uh, I was I able to procure this it. through I will, uh, I will the old-school like mail Netflix. Watching uh, High Tension with some weird commercial breaks adds to it. Tell us about because, you know, Tubi just... Sticks commercials in. I'm like, oh, the mom just got her hand chopped <laughs> off. Here's a commercial for Per Plus Shampoo. Isn't there like an NC-17 version too? Am I, am I wrong? Boy, no thank you. <laughs> um, so this is a weird point in the film where it goes, it goes from dub to subtitles. And I wonder if that has a play on the bigger picture here. We can talk about no, that. The version I watched, it then goes into dubstep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Kill me now. So, um, so <laughs> after she tries to call 911, she then takes the car of the dead convenience store worker and chases the van, high-speed chase, then wrecks the shit out of that car and hurts herself. And then gets in a fight in the greenhouse with the killer. And she says, what do you want with Alex? You know, asking the killer, what do you want with my friend? Why are you taking her? And then she kills him. She killed Killer B. She killed him. And anything, anything, to, anything to add before I reveal the twist? Other than the fact that the car that she took and was driving had a rebel flag license plate yeah, on it. That was very strange. <laughs> I yeah, I saw so that. Too. I was like as a shout out to Countryside? What? <laughs> I didn't know that South France was part of the Confederacy. <laughs> Say hey, maybe he was just trying to uh appeal to the American market, which worked, because I mean he went on to do like the Hills Have Eyes remake and other stuff. So Yeah. It worked. So after she kills the killer in the greenhouse, you find out dun, 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 she's the killer. It was all over head. Instead of dun dun dun, I would have went womp womp. <laughs> now, I'm curious, Grizz, how do you feel about that? Because you famously do not like the ooh, we're dead ending. 
uh, to movies, and this is just a, a different variation of that. This is probably one of the worst ways I've ever seen it done. Amen. Okay. Amen. Because you know I've come around on a few films that have that type of ending, and this is not one of them. This did not sell me the second time. In fact, I was more critical because I was trying to convince myself that it works through the whole film. Same. And that's why I didn't it, like it the first time around, and it definitely did not land for me the second time. I texted the agree. professor after I finished it, and I said, well, I guess I have to fight Abner over the end of this movie. I have to fist fight him for making me watch this. I was, I got, it was, I liked the movie well enough, and then that end came, and I was like, you have got to be fucking kidding me. Like, this slight young lady is going in and mashing this dude's head off while it's stuck in the banister with a giant piece of furniture. She's killing a fucking St. Bernard with her bare hands. You like it just lesbian rage. Stupid. <laughs> it just, it, it didn't make sense. No. It, I'm, I'm started replaying everything in my head and they do a little bit of that showing you. And it's like, no, this doesn't work. You, you wrote yourself into a corner and didn't know how to end this, and this is what you chose to do. I will not accept I, any other explanation. I will say my favorite thing from re-watching this, being uh, kind of armed with the knowledge of what the twist is, one thing I did appreciate uh, with the, the reviewing was the performance of the friend. Um, that is truly terrifying because you know what she's watching. And so... She, she really, you know, she portrays it. I mean, she is terrified because you realize that she's watching her friend uh, go absolutely insane. Um, I was also brutal. very irritated with, I mean, we all grew up with Michael Myers and all that kind of thing. But as this guy keeps going, I'm like, does this motherfucker have super senses? As I'm watching this movie, he's like, he can hear everything. He can sense when things, somebody's hiding. You know what I mean? I was like, it's just, and then to couple that with the end, it pissed me off by the end of it. I, I don't mind the ending, but I will say this is one where, uh, like they show the video of the gas station. It, it, I just don't see how the killer and her could be everywhere that they were. Exactly. Without... It, like that she just wouldn't be there, but it but it makes sense. Like her hiding in the room would make sense that obviously she wasn't even in there. Yeah. But um as it gets going, like so she went in and talked to the gas station attendant and then went back out and then came in as him and um I don't know. It it's a movie you can't really think about or you're not gonna enjoy it. And when the it came on, because I was watching it with a couple friends and my dad, and my dad goes, What what? And he still didn't comprehend what's going. He's just like, well, she killed the gas station attendant too. And like my my friend Corey was like in the same boat. And finally, we were like, it's her. So was the whole was the whole car chase a fabrication? There was no other car with a rebel flag vanity plate. There's no uh, pussy wagon car now. <laughs> and it's like the other part that pisses me off about the gas station is that like the attendant acknowledges both people. The, he acknowledges that she's hiding. He clearly looks at her. He acknowledges the the killer trying to buy liquor from him. Um, 
you know, and, and, and like, where did she get the van? Where did she get the power tools? Like, yeah, it just doesn't work. So we need no, a prequel to show her buying the Jeepers Creepers van, strategically driving ahead. Well, that's the way. Hitchhiking her way back. Yeah, that's <laughs> the way you'd have to make it work. Like, as I work through it in my head, it's like, okay, so she bought a van, took it to that area, filled it with power tools, knew the attendant well enough to call him by name when she came in, and this was all a big work so that she could kidnap her friend that she's in love with. So she could touch her too. Well, and on top of it, it's like if if certain segments of this are in her imagination, then it works. But they don't they don't make that clear, and that's that's the problem. And so what you have is uh, a very traditional horror movie that would be notable for its violence and gore to begin with, and it's fine until the twist, and then the twist completely undoes all of it. Like yep. you didn't need it. Like it could have just been an A to B stalk and slash movie um and i i i it's one of those things where i i feel like this was not well received by critics but horror fans liked it a lot and they and it's only grown since then because i can remember when i first started going to conventions being kind of surprised at how often i saw this on t-shirts and stuff because i was like really like i mean i didn't think it was a horrible movie but it, it seems to have you know, kind of shifted into academic praise uh, and kind of looking at this historical context for it. And I just do not get it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, except for the twist, it's not a bad movie, you know? Right. But I, I think that it, I think it's just well received because of the time period it came out, because this is the time where uh, horror was PG 13 remakes or it was the J horror was the big trend. And so this is something a lot of people really hadn't seen just because uh, it was like the French's spin on things. Um, I think it is one of those where I think it's one where I'm not excited to watch it because you already know the twist. And it's not one where you can watch like like the others. At least you can go back and watch like, OK, they're all dead here. Um, but like this one. Again, like uh, I think at the end of the movie, like like the van wasn't even real that she had her in her mom's car or her car. That would all made sense and that she was just picturing everything in her mind, but you can't even really go back to pinpoint uh, anything because there's there's nothing there to Yeah, they don't articulate it at all. Yeah. Maybe we're the ones that are schizophrenic. <laughs> so that's high tension. <laughs> it's, yeah, and so they, they ultimately end with her in the hospital recounting this idea of her chasing her. And you find, oh, yeah, 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 that's it, because she she thought she was the killer chasing herself. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, that's it. High tension. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not, um, I'm not going to tell you to run out and watch it. If you're, if you're curious, I guess, if you're trying to watch what came before, you know, what this guy did before, because the guy's gone on to do some other good stuff, but uh, the director, so... Now, the movie itself isn't bad, but the ending is going to leave you with a bad taste. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you're particularly interested in that whole movement, because there was a whole string of movies of that era, French extremism. Um, so if you're, if you're wanting to see these for the uh, you know, heightened violence and gore, you'll get it from this. I mean, there's, you won't be disappointed on that front, but if we're being honest about the, uh, the story and its structure, it's, it leaves you unfulfilled. 
Just watch Martyrs. <laughs> yeah, I should have picked that for the, the full go-around on Happy. Yeah, buddy. All right. Moving right along to Vinny's pick, Todd. I Am Legend, 2007, directed by Francis Lawrence, based on the novel by Richard Matheson, and starring Will Smith, Alice Braga, Charlie Tahan, and <laughs> I had to look it up, but Dash uh, Mihawk or whatever his name is, who's pretty, he's in a lot of good movies, and I, I realized he is the uh, the main uh, vampire, I guess, or whatever they are. Um, he was no, the he, he was the main CGI thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I picked this movie because we had already watched <laughs> Last Man on Earth and The Omega Man. So well, the fast this... one on us over the month. <laughs> so this <laughs> is they the... made it to a franchise. This is the third version of it and final one so far. So since we'd covered the other two, I wanted to touch base and uh watch this one. I have only seen this once before, and I was very critical of it the first time around. Um, and I'll just say flat out because of the CGI. Um, but unlike and, and last, that's and that's fair. But unlike the last movie we just discussed, I am very glad that I rewatched this one, and so um, my mind was changed with the second viewing. I had a much better experience with it this time. Um, I remember seeing this in the theater when it came out. I owned it on DVD. I don't know, probably at least the third or fourth viewing. Um, and I may lose my street cred, uh, some on the podcast, but I like this movie. I did then. I still do. Uh, I don't remember. I might've watched this when it hit video and I know I saw it maybe once or twice. Um, I liked it, but there are definitely things I didn't like. And I last, I watched it actually last night. Um, so it's definitely been a while since I've seen it and I actually enjoyed it. I think a lot more watching it for this viewing. Um, and there's things that when we go into it, I can, uh, the biggest thing that takes me out is the CGI, but, um, but there's things. And I that, and that, that is extremely fair. It still is not good CGI, but, but there is things. I do want to, I was going to say, uh, I want to clarify up front though. No version have they looked good. It's just that's a different, true. Well, I mean, that's different true. version. The original was just a couple people in some uh, dirty clothes. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, I think there's things going for this movie that a lot of movies like this don't have um, that kind of make up for the CGI. So, so you want me to lay out the the, the premise of the movie real quick yeah. before we go any further? Okay, so uh, Will Smith is the sole survivor of a plague that came for. <laughs> And I think this might be why we have all had a better experience with it this time, because there's a certain taste of reality and experience that goes along with this. It touches a real fear that we've all had now. And that is that this was created. Humanity was wiped out by what was originally praised as a vaccine that was a miracle cure for cancer. But instead wiped people out and turned them into these vampire-esque slash zombie-esque creatures, I guess you could say. This was all a ploy to get me to watch another vampire movie. 
So <laughs> Will Smith is uh, a scientist, as believable as that is, military. Uh, who military scientist who is now alone with only his dog in the world and is desperately a trying to survive b trying to discover any other survivors and try to find a way to make things right and cure people and turn them back into regular human beings so that's your premise much the same as the other versions You know, the tone really changed for me. Again, I'm going to tell you why this movie worked for me this time around. A, the, the pandemic stuff. Yes, <laughs> yes. It, it really hit close to home this time. Yes. B, the relationship with the dog, which is what always is what worked for me in the Vincent Price one. Um, and C, kind of that opening scene where he's chasing those deer... And the lion gets the deer, and he's thinking about shooting the lion, but then he sees that the lion has a cub. And you can almost see, like, immediately, like, this ethical decision that he has to make on the scene right there. And I was like, man, in the first five minutes, this movie already has more heart than I remembered it having the first time around. I think that I didn't appreciate a lot of it upon the first viewing because I was a younger man with less experience. Yeah, same. Um, for me, I, I liked it because I'd grown up enjoying uh, the Fresh Prince, and I know Will Smith is not liked by everybody. He's uh, sometimes too corny or commercial for some, but I'm I enjoyed him in it. Um, and I think his understated performances in this is what makes it. And you look back, and I like the stars of the other two, but they're they're the kings of ham. And so when you're tackling this material of, material of being the last man on earth um i really think he brings something to the table with this performance because it, it was a much more subtle performance for sure so this guy's been in other stuff this is the first thing i'd seen him in get out <laughs> he's in get out no, it, oh yeah, we're canceled again yeah that's it yeah um no but he just i like the way that they don't go too overboard with what he's done to set up. They have answers for things on like why he's got his little water heater, you know, next to the bathtub and, and his own power and stuff. And just his absolute focus on the, just today. Um, I really relate to because that's always the way I've kind of, when I've had tough moments with depression, it's always about today. And so there's this movie's filled with grief. And I, I love how he is always focused on it's not about giving up and it's not about fixing everything. It's about how am I headed in the right direction today? It really resonates with me. And I hadn't watched this in over probably a decade. Um, I really enjoyed it this time for that reason. And I think that uh, the first half of the film especially is completely carried by Will Smith. Yeah. Um, I, I would agree. I think uh, I think what sells this movie is Will Smith's performance because uh, it's not hammy. And other than one, there's like one scene where uh, when he uh, stumbles upon the lady and her and her child, um, that he'd be kind. It's kind of a Will Smith moment where he's kind of being funny, which actually I think about that too. Um, 
just in the past year of like, I'm like, man, sometimes when I'm around somebody that's other than, you know, uh, somebody I live with or people I work with, that's what I want to do is laugh and, um, and be silly. So it kind of fits there too. Um, I think the, the thing I didn't notice as much before, I mean, it was there, but it just kind of flew over my head was all this stuff with the butterflies and his daughter, uh, mentioning butterflies. And then it goes all the way up to the end of the film. And, um, the, the woman keeps talking about how messages from God, I really, that flew over my head the first few viewings until this one. And then, um, I know there's a couple other scenes like where the dog is not eating the vegetables. So I realized that there's like this just void where his, you know, I mean, his wife and daughter. And I, I think, uh, to me, the whole picture is just kind of like, uh, him and his, uh, and his child so much so that like the lion scene and, uh, uh, I'm, I sure wouldn't go in and try to track one of those things. And um, the whole thing is just trying to find uh, where life goes on and, and, and to continue. So um, also I thought previous were a little bit more intense than uh, like where the dog does go into the, um, the building and the creatures are in there. Um, so I don't know. I feel like this, uh, this viewing, I, I focus less on the, the creatures and, uh, and to be honest, they, it sucks when you see them. There's not a lot of um, scenes with the creatures. and um, Luckily. Yeah. I did read, uh, I, I looked it up because I, I, I thought it was weird that a, a, a decent actor was playing the main thing. And uh, apparently they had them dressed up, but they thought it looked too, uh, they didn't like the look of it. So they made them cartoonish instead. So Bad decision. Whoever did that, I hope never got work again. <laughs> I would have I would have combined the original <laughs> and this one where uh you know they're cracked out zombies a little bit more so they run instead of just walk up to Vincent Price. <laughs> I just wish Will Smith would have said back back <laughs> I was I was like are we really already past 5 minutes and talking about this movie and not done that yet? <laughs> I did notice this time around too unlike the other incarnations he's not trying to kill the hunt these things and kill them either. Yeah. Because there's still people to him who he's trying to redeem in the end by finding a cure. He may trap them so that he can, you know, basically he's trying to give them a cure. So, and that's another aspect of it. he traps one, takes it home after running tests on rats, and he thinks that he's found a cure and inoculates the thing, and it's starting to show some signs of promise. Uh, Todd briefly mentioned that at one point he discovers he's actually rescued by a woman and her son. So he finally is around not only another human being, but also a child, which he had lost. Uh, and we also, for our second movie of the night, have another dog death. <laughs> Which is uh, so one of rough. the most brutal. It's the first thing I thought of when you picked this movie. So I remember it just slaying me. Yeah. I legit almost openly wept. <laughs> yeah, because you've watched this guy. That's all he has. It's his one source of company and joy. And, and it's I a mean, connection to his family because he had gotten yeah. it for his daughter. That, uh, that's agonizing I, I googled uh i was kind of curious because i know after this made as much money as it did that they kept talking about prequels and sequels and when i googled it <laughs> the first thing i found 
was that that scene had made like all these lists for like the top 25 deaths that made an impact in a film was the dog in this film. Cause, yeah, they, cause they have a big old fight with these creatures and the dog's severely injured and he knows the dog's gonna it's turn. been bitten or whatever. It's going to turn. And so and he's he spending inoc- those last moments. He inoculates it, hoping the cure is going to work on it. And then he can see that the dog is starting to turn and has to choke the dog out. After he sings Bob Marley to it. Ugh. I, yeah, I start I'll, weeping again. I, I, just, I, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Guys. <laughs> well, and, I'm getting misty. I, <laughs> I love, but, too, that after that, he's hit rock bottom, and he's finally given up hope. He's he's out there just going ape shit on the docks when he he's finally at his end, and that's when he's helped by the the woman and her kid. It's just a whole string of events that are they're very emotional. I just want to say how pissed I was at him for so he one thing well, one other thing too. So it's build up to this. So one other thing too that I, I, I if I had other than the CGI, something I don't like about the film is him talking to the mannequins. Um, I don't know that I, I don't know how many people would reach that point of crazy, but he sees, he sees one of the mannequins. These things have gotten so smart that they moved one of his mannequins and he sees him, stops the car and he's, damn it, Fred, what are you doing here? You know? And he's like, if you're real, you better tell me. And he goes to Fred, he shoots Fred, the mannequin goes up and these things have made a trap for him. So they've evolved to that point. And it's from there that, you know, he's knocked unconscious. He cuts himself out of the trap, stabs himself in the leg on accident, falling from the trap and daylight's about to, to run out. Which these things can't come out in daylight. I don't know if we covered that. Yeah. Cause it's another vampire movie. And, uh, (laughs) And so he's like scooting on his butt back to his car. Scooting. Boot scooting because he's been stabbed in the leg. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, Will Smith, I know what's coming. You better start moving faster, boy. Because if that dog gets killed, <laughs> you have to deal with me next. And and you're he, gonna punch Will Smith on the, in the face if you ever see him on the street. That's for the dog. <laughs> That's for the dog and I have Uh he already had a bad year. Give him a break. <laughs> you know what? That's fair. I'm gonna cut him some slack here. But that's what made me so mad. Is after his dog gets bit, what does he do? He stands the F up and picks the dog up and puts it in the car. And I'm like, why didn't you just stand up and walk to the car? This would have never happened to the dog. <laughs> yeah. If you weren't so busy singing your goddamn hippie songs and fighting instead. <laughs> Drama queen. <laughs> like, oh, your leg was hurt so bad you couldn't get away. <laughs> Made me hot, boy. Made me hot. Legend, my ass. So, do we want to hit the? Do we want to hit the the showdown, the end? Yes. You yes. guys good with that? So, oh, real quick, real quick. So, when he wakes up from being rescued, it's interesting as we see. You know, Todd kind of talks about the funny part when they're watching Shrek, but the very real part of him not knowing how to act with other humans around. Yes, him. It's been like three years. Is that what even though like? he's been trying to contact them desperately? Yes. For the three years, once he's around them. He's got no people skills anymore. Right. Because they're eating his goddamn bacon. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I was saving that bacon. <laughs> I, I felt that. 
No, deep in my soul. <laughs> deep in my soul. So yeah, go ahead. So he realizes as the sun starts to go down, he's hearing noise. When the woman had rescued him, because you should you see him early like dumping ammonia outside of his house, so because these things can smell. Well, they were followed back to his place, which he had had tightened down like a bunker with giant metal shutters and everything else. Well, they found him and they are on the attack and they breach his house. After so he blows his contingency bombs. Yes. He, he, he's trapped. He's trapped in his own house and he's down in the basement in his lab and he's got himself locked into a, a glass plated uh, section of it. And he's getting ready to blow it, right? Like, that's the gimmick. But then he notices that his cure has worked on the one that he has laying on ice. There's hope. And this is after, you know, he's already chastised the lady saying, there is no God, none of this. Yes. You know, you did not find me because of some divine intervention, you know. Yeah. Yes. So it ends up him and the lady and the kid in this glass room while one of these creatures keeps running at it and headbutting the glass and slowly cracking it more and more and more. So they're just surrounded because there's this hive of these things outside of these doors. And so he has one final epiphany of his his family and is it peace? The shattered glass looks like a butterfly. Yes. And so he knows that in order for there to be any hope. And the woman has a butterfly tattoo behind her ear. Go ahead. And he has to, he is at peace with, he is going to sacrifice himself so that there can be a future. And pulls the pin on a flaming grenade and go for it. After he draws blood from the creature yes. he has healed, gives yes. it to the woman, tells her to hide in the coal crib, and then, yes. And then he heads through the doors, pulls the pin, and explodes and kills himself and the hive of creatures that were in there with him. It's it's a bummer ending. I mean, you kind of expect it with, with the adaptation of this movie. I mean, we've been through adapt- two adaptations already. So you, you kind of know what you're getting into anyway. But this, I enjoy both of the other versions. I am not, I'm a guy who's not a Will Smith fan. Um, so he's a hard sell for me, but he's really good in this movie. This is on it. He's honestly the reason I didn't check out this movie sooner. This is like the second or third time I've seen it. But like I say, I think just being older now, having experienced more things that are relevant in this story. This was a completely different viewing for me. It, it's still hard to overlook how bad the CGI is. That that really is the only flaw with this film. I wish that they would go back in and fix it for future Blu-ray releases. Touch up the creatures. It can't be that hard. I want to. Can we just re-edit the film and and just cover up the CGI creatures with the weird crackhead-looking ones from the Charlton Heston edit? <laughs> <laughs> I'm game. No, I think um I think the difference between this and the other two is the other two you are watching actors 
do their thing, you are watching Charlton Heston or Vincent Price be in that setting. And with this one, you are with Will Smith. He he draws you in in a relatable way that the other two movies don't. And I love the other two, but I think that this one really taps into the anxiety at the core of this story in a way that the other two the other two feel like midnight movies. This one gets gets into my blood a little bit. Do you and think I agree we would, the CG's bad? Do you think we would have felt the same way had we not just had the the year that we just had? Um, do you think it would have hit as hard? Yes, because it I, it hit this hard when it came out for me, okay. but I think it was heightened because of this. I, I it was definitely heightened for me. Yeah, well, I was also going to say not just the pandemic, but we've all been through some shit since two thousand seven. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, we've gone through a lot of it together, and so I think, yeah, I think <clears> that adds <throat> another touch to it as well. I think another thing I never noticed until the, this viewing was uh, there, there's a score, but it's usually when he's around creatures or with another person. Uh, most of the movie where he's alone, there's I noticed that there's like no music this time. It's no. very still and, yeah. and shows you the unnerving quiet. And then I, I noticed because uh, the mannequin scene to me was even more intense. And I looked... Like uh, another, there's some actors that were playing the mannequins so that you couldn't tell if they were slightly moving or they weren't, and uh, which kind of makes sense because I think the first time I seen it, I kept thinking I was seeing uh, whatever the mannequin's name was that they move, that he Red. kind of almost looked like he's moving to where I thought it was one of the creatures for some reason. Um, I don't know. There's all kinds of weird stuff. I definitely noticed the first you in the Batman versus Superman billboard and i think that's how i stumbled a couple other things because i was trying to remember when the movie actually came out if it was around the year this is supposed to take place um so just all kinds of like cool stuff and then um i also uh re-looked up that um the schwarzenegger version that they were actually trying to make before this one and i just kind of pictured in my head schwarzenegger and uh directed by ridley scott and how um I'm sure it would have been more of a Schwarzenegger movie than uh, than than. So it had just been like the other th- two versions, just Schwarzenegger in the mix. So, do you know what surprises me the most about how bad the creatures look is that the CGI on the deer and the lions isn't that bad. No, it's not. As as New York City is too. Like the fact that he's out hunting in Times Square with grass up around him, and you buy it. it that's why it's so crazy that the creatures look so just, bad. Look no like excuse. Characters. I think some of the New York stuff is real, actually, because I remember people being pissed off, even though they only shut it down for brief periods of time. Um, I think they had so many, like, I don't even know if it was a whole hour that they could shut down daily, but it was still enough to piss off all the New Yorkers to hate Will Smith. It's hard enough to get around there without them closing off <laughs> busy sections. But, yeah, I mean, like, they, they made that stuff look good. Oh, I make this look good. <laughs> so... In story. short, I would recommend this movie. I don't know if I'd have I told you do. that five years ago. I I would say this is the best of the three. Well, and I'm just devil. curious if when this was released in the South, it was titled He, Him, Legend. <laughs> <laughs> He's a legend, y'all. So, all right. Well, thanks for making me rewatch this, Vinny. I wouldn't have done it if you hadn't. And I... Uh, uh, I'm I'm fond of this one now. I, I nope. am um so so the the sequel talk 
they keep mentioning an alternate ending that I had never seen. Have you guys have any of you watched the alternate ending? Most no. people prefer it. I did not like the alternate ending. I thought it was a little cheesy. Which is I like the uh, he goes, goes with him. It, it goes uh, all the way up to the end, but he takes the um, the one that he's caught and takes it out to the creatures to show that she is healing and that he's he's like screaming that he's trying to save them. Um, I don't know. It's kind of more of a, a subtle ending. I feel like a, okay. the only thing that could have helped the other one would have been with all the craziness and he blew up if it just ended there. And then it was like, don't worry. About <laughs> yeah. Cause in the alternate, he leaves with them okay. and it closes with a speech of hope from her. Uh, but this ending while sad actually possesses more hope by yeah. what we see at the colony afterwards. And he's the one that saved them all because I forgot about that part is legend. He, him legend. Him legend. <laughs> him took baseball. Yeah, so. I grew up with a kid that talked like that. Just to <laughs> clarify for listeners. <laughs> All right, and that was he is legend. Hey, I accidentally said he is legend, which is a hard boy dance, <laughs> and I actually meant to say I am legend. <laughs> Anyways, check out He Is Legend's first album. It's good stuff. After In fairness, I kept saying he, him, legend, which probably threw this all off. <laughs> you made me say that. Um, <laughs> all right, so we're going to roll right into the professor's pick. Todd, tell us about it. Sorry, I'm choking on diabetes. diabetes, <laughs> boy. <laughs> They're too good. Uh, so, <laughs> one cut of the dead 2017 uh, initial release in Japan, and it hit our shores in 2019. So, still a pretty new movie here. Uh, We're gonna spoil the shit out of it. Written and directed by Shin Ichiro Yuida, and. Um, a bunch of uh, Japanese stars that I don't want to offend our Japanese listeners, all one of you. And um, I, <laughs> apparently in most uh, most places, this is also called Camera Wo Tamarina, which is Don't Stop Filming, which is pretty much what the movie's about. Also, uh, 25000 to make or less for an eight-day uh, thing. This is a student film, and it made like over $25 million. So... So Troma yeah. stepped in and distributed it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's serious. Hey, Troma? Toho. Oh, like uh, Godzilla? Yes. I thought you said Troma. That's why I laughed. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is put together way too well for Troma. They were giving it away for 50 cents at con. <laughs> um, yes. This makes you feel something. Can't be Troma. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... Real quick, again, as Vinny just said, spoiler alerts. So <laughs> we're, we're going to these next two. They're newer. We're going to be dropping spoilers. If you haven't seen One Cut of the Dead or The Dark Wicked House, whatever the hell Todd's pick is called. <laughs> How'd you let me eat the whole bag? The disrespect. <laughs> Todd just ate a one-pound bag of Starburst jelly beans, by the way. <laughs> That's a shoot. Um, just wake whoo- him up when it's time for his pick. Yes. So, if you haven't seen One Cut of the Dead or The Dark and the Wicked, turn off the podcast now and watch them. But if you don't mind spoilers, journey on. Professor. 
Okay. So, uh, real quick, this is uh, one that... So, 2019 was a great year for movie watching for me. I just saw so many things I really, really loved. This was one of them. And I wanted to give it a little bit of time to give some people to watch it. That's why I hadn't picked it yet. I'd had it set out as a, something I was going to pick for the show. So I'm excited to cover it. I'm curious, had any of you guys watched this yet prior to this? I've been wanting to, but hadn't made the time or the excuse to. So thank you for picking it. <coughs> Jelly beans, sorry. <laughs> I, uh, when I started looking for the movie, I thought in my head that it was the, the one of the dead, like the Spanish film. Yep. Like one. Um, and then I re looked at the, uh, Instagram or whatever you posted this on and, uh, realized I'm looking for the wrong movie. Um, so yeah, I had not seen it. I, I, it was familiar to me just because of, uh, I want to say probably shutter is probably where I've heard mostly from it. So this is my second viewing. I had seen it at some point, uh, through the winter, uh, thanks to the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs on shutter. And was very happy that you picked it when you picked it so that I could watch it again. And I also watched it again, hosted by Joe Bob Briggs. Awesome. Caveat, we must at this point let our (laughs) listeners know that if you are a subscriber to Shudder, if you're watching it on the app, you will find this movie on the app. However, if you are like me, and you subscribe to Shubber. Shubber. <laughs> this had Robin Williams in it. Subs- <laughs> subscribe to Shutter through Amazon. It disappeared. And so not only did I give Shutter $6, I then turned around and gave them three more dollars to watch it in standard death because I'll be damned if I was giving them four dollars to watch it in high death <laughs> after they screwed me on this. So anyways, I, I, uh, spoiler alert. I'm okay with giving them money. I hope it's because Shutter listens to this show and they hear how many times I bitch because of your picks that I have to go rent it, that they yank that shit on you. <laughs> and it happened in the span of a week. Like it was on Shutter on the Amazon channel last week. Sat down to watch it yesterday. It gone. So. And there was some uh, entertaining internal roasting for what you had chosen to watch during those days when it was a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Buyer beware. All right. <sighs> okay, so I'm going to be very brief with the overall synopsis for this because I think it's better served in conversation instead of going beat for beat with it. So it's very simple. So uh, it's basically this movie, like many, is broken down into three acts. The first portion of this film, we open up. Uh, in a former World War II building, um, and we have a film crew working on making a zombie movie. And during that time, we have a director who is, you know, bordering on abusive, very impatient, things are going wrong. Um, we also encounter what appears to be real zombies entering. Um, and so throughout this, we've got... Um, pretty notably bad moments um, like with characters taking too long with pauses um, with some pretty bad screaming that continues to go on. Um, But what is really, really interesting about this first portion is that it's, it's truly one cut Um, and it goes on building up in a very traditional territory with zombie films. Um, 
until ultimately, I think it's around 38 minutes in, we get to the end of it and we hear him yell cut. Um, and so that's kind of the first twist on that is because you've been watching what appears to be a pretty pedestrian, if not bad zombie movie. Um, thoughts on the one cut approach. I, I didn't know what I was getting into. So I'm watching it and it, and it stopped and I was like, that is the shortest fucking movie I've ever had to watch for this podcast. And then it kept, and when I realized it kept going, I was like, that is the longest fucking start of a movie that I've ever seen. And then I think I started realizing what was going on. So we had side bits on which one of you guys was going to stop after the credits started to roll. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there's a third act? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, I like, I like, I was already like, oh, man, I wish I would have been here because I know where this is going. He was like, I spent nine fucking dollars for a 20 minute movie. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, no, it was like, I was like, oh, yeah, they're making a bad zombie movie. But the twist is that, oh, they actually did, like, this blood ritual, and they summoned real zombies, and it's like, oh, okay, this is, this is okay. But what's funny is, like, you're, like, playing along, and you're like, okay, like, what's, like, why, why does this have all the hype? (laughs) Then you get to your third twist. (laughs) Yeah. So, So, yeah, it was, was, yeah, just saying. The, first, the beginning is just like, it's enough to whet your appetite. And then when you get to that next phase, you're like, huh, okay. Well, okay. I will say when the blood splurts onto the camera and the guy wipes it, and I realized, oh, wait, he's part of this too. I kept going like, how the fuck is he not getting eaten by zombies? Because <laughs> he's in the middle of like a zombie run and, and the person he's chasing. And I like that the director keeps popping up going, action! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so... Yeah, it's a 38-minute continuous take, basically operating off of one camera. Um, And we have a director who yells out uh, quite exhaustively, uh, cut. And that's when we realized that we were watching, you know, a production of a production, uh, which we then go into the second act, which traces back to the inception of the project. And we've got basically a director who is much more interested in, in commerce than he is art. Um, he's just, you know, trying to keep steady employment from this and they're pitching this idea of doing a live broadcast, which by the way, is what makes this work. Um, because if this was them just making a movie, this movie doesn't work. (laughs) The fact that it's live is what forces the hand of creativity and many of the more charming aspects of the point of the movie. Um, so yeah, the director's a journeyman and he's just kind of going through the motions with this. And we also spend time kind of learning, you know, his family life and a little bit of backstories on our characters. Uh, but then we jump into the third act, which is when we arrive to the production that we saw the finished product for first. And for the final act of the film, it is behind the scenes, per se, of the production. And so you have kind of uh, moments go on to be informed, like when you watch it in the first act, there's this really bad scene of this girl screaming and she just keeps screaming you're like what in the hell is this well then you know you realize that she's doing that to kill time because of things that have gone wrong and so this whole third act is just an absolute 
it's it's a marriage of comedy and passion and heart for filmmaking um in a way that you don't realize is so good in real time it's like one of those things where as the experience kind of unwinds you realize how much you loved what you just watched and i thought that was initially what was so special about it but it's also got um some pretty legitimately funny scenes ranging um from from you know crude and crass humor like with the guy with the shits uh he's out there (laughs) doubled over um but the drunk guy yeah so i don't it's just it's a seamless marriage yeah seamless marriage of horror drama and comedy it's equal parts everything and it's blended together perfectly yeah, by the time that third act comes around, I'm like even when the third act starts, I'm I'm sold. I'm I'm in. Like first act, I'm like, okay, don't get what the hype's about. Second act, I'm like, okay, this is fun. And then when we literally go beat for beat through the entire movie that we just watched at the beginning of the movie, I was like, this is this is it's like, it's like hit, digging and hitting a, a completely different layer. Yep. And so every and so, scene involving the drunk guy had me dying laughing. Yeah. Every scene. Yeah. Who actually played that drunk? He was drunk. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> he he thought it would be more believable, so he was actually drunk in those scenes. <laughs> There's great moments with um, the director's uh, wife and daughter both of who either have aspirations in front of them or behind them who pitch in to help um, some, some very nice moments with that. But um, the one thing I, I want to make sure I spend time on before we go off on just kind of random things we enjoyed is, is the bigger point is, is if you haven't picked it up uh, throughout the film, they will make sure you do. They'll hit you over the head with it, with the pyramid. Um, so they basically have uh, a, a rig set up to make a camera pan up to be above a character for the final shot of the film. And during the production up on the roof, all that shit gets knocked off and there's no way they're going to be able to pull it off. And so that's why you have the girls screaming. They're dragging this stuff out um, up there. And while that's happening, you have the director noticing um, different members of the crew running over and beginning to form a pyramid for them to climb up on to create the shot. And so that is just perfectly indicative of the whole point of this film is that art is created through, you know, not just one person, people help. And these things that we watch and we love weren't easy. We often don't know what went wrong. Um, And I, I just think it's, I hate to be too dramatic, but I think it's a beautiful scene. I love it. It's, I mean, you're overwhelmed. Um, with to sheer joy and when you really think about it it's kind of funny because the beauty of filmmaking is the reason that you feel that for something so mundane i mean it's a group of people making a zombie live broadcast climbing up in a pyramid to make a camera shot work but it's it's the whole point of the movie and it's it's just such a neat scene when they pull it off and then you realize when it's all done that this was supposed to be a 30 minute program. And the guy who's always chosen money over art said to hell with you. We're finishing this and doing it the way we want to. That's why the cut is 38 minutes instead of 30. That's why he's 
when you hear him yell cut and he sounds dead, that's why, because they went through all this. I just think it's, um, it's effortlessly powerful. And you get with the pyramid, you know, you get a point in the second act where this director is pretty heartbroken because he feels like he and his daughter don't have a connection anymore. And she's the one that gets the human pyramid together for him for that final shot. And, and he hoists her up on his shoulders and stands atop the pyramid so she can get the shot with the camera. And it recreates the shot of them when she was a kid and a photograph. And it's just like so much heart. You're like, hot damn, brought a little tear to my eye. It was so cute. I it starts yeah. playing. It says, look at this photograph. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we do it makes me love. I thought you were going to slip up the pyramid with, like, <laughs> step one, use your friends. <laughs> Which they literally did. Yep. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, the movie is very assured. It's confident, but not condescending. You yeah. frequently get that when you get into movies about making movies or making art. This is never like that. And I think that they really made something special with this. The fact that you can show me 38 minutes... And then at one point in the movie, you show me the 38 minutes again, but from a completely different perspective to make it new and entertaining for me, even though I just watched it. That's a feat. I, things that I, that I liked off on the side is the glimpses into other cultures as well. That apartment for three people, how tiny that thing was. Uh, I don't know. I, this movie... I may have even liked it better upon the second viewing. And I will say this when this, after this airs, somebody may need to remind me, but I am going to post a link to the shutter YouTube. Joe Bob Briggs closes out this episode. It was the second feature of the night and he gives a speech. Encouraging young filmmakers that completely embodies the spirit of the movie that you just watched, but it just it made the it made the movie even better for me. And I'll end up sharing that on our Facebook page when we air this episode as well, just because I think it's such a fantastic bookend to this movie. It's great. Yeah, Vinny Vinny mentioned it uh, to me ahead of time, and I'd watched it. It's impressive. It's one of the better kind of soliloquies you'll ever hear from Joe Bob. Yeah. Joe Bob. And one of the things Joe I really like that he says, yeah, is it Neil Bog? Um, is that <laughs> he says, uh, don't piss on hospitality, please. Yeah. He said to quit saying aspiring filmmaker, just you're a filmmaker. And I like that. Yep. <laughs> but I would recommend this to anybody. Yeah. It, it's just fun. The stuff with his wife and how she had to quit acting because she gets too into the role. And they had to, he had to put his wife in a chokehold and put her to sleep at one point because yeah. she had to be a stand-in for somebody. The part where he does a weekend at Bernie's with the drunk guy, like just making him walk. Yes, uh, the the guy in the glasses freaking out after getting puked on by the drunk guy yeah. is one of the funniest things in the whole fucking movie. Yes, yeah, there's oh yeah, can't can't recommend this one enough. This one he this was a, a sneak up on you feel good hit of the year and loved it so yeah and two if if, uh you watch this and you really enjoy it they have done a little bit more i think there's one involving hollywood it's not a feature uh but they've they've done a little spinoff for that and i know that there's one on youtube that they did last year um 
I've got it written down. It's one cut of the dead mission remote pandemic mode. And it's kind of set around like uh, Zoom. Um, but you can revisit some of those characters, which is pretty fun to watch. I think it's about a half hour. Toddy, any final thoughts? I was disappointed in this movie. I think uh, I didn't know what I was getting into. The the When they're showing the, the actual cut uh, of them, what they're doing, I got more into it. So I think if uh, I go back and rewatch it, I might enjoy it better. But it kind of lost me the first two acts because I was just kind of like, well, I, I didn't see what the hype was either. But, um, yeah, the third act sold me. So um, I think once I rewatch it and I know what's going on, I might like it better. Yeah, I can see that where if you did you were expecting or didn't know what you were expecting it throwing you off. But I think now that you know, watch it again. And I, I think you're going to have a different perspective. The beginning of the film when they are uh, first filming – that uh, I've had so many zombie dreams that looks just like that, where it's like weird staircase going up and uh, zombie. Um, so I was like, well, that's uh, I, I might have actually dreamt that again when I went to sleep that night. So who knows? Uh, fun medicine for uh, bad dreams lately. So okay, all right. Well, that was one cut of the dead. All right, wrapping it up, rounding third and heading home, we've got our last pick, which is Hot Toddy's pick. Toddy, what do you got for us? The Dark and the Wicked 2020, written and directed by Brian Bortino, uh, starring Marin Ireland, Michael Abbott Jr., um, and Xander Berkeley, uh, which is probably our biggest star of the film. This was my first time hearing of and watching this movie. Uh, this was my second viewing. I had actually just watched this about a month before, I think. This was my first viewing, and the timing was perfect because I was going to be watching it anyway because I had had two friends inside of a week. Uh, Brian Blair, from get friend of the show and owner of Pumpkin Pulp, who makes masks and such uh recommended it to me and then friend of the show brent terhune uh texted me and recommended it to me as well with it all within the same week so i was going to be watching it soon anyway so there it is it's nice to have friends that want you depressed <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh i didn't know much about the movie but i too had seen a lot of friends that i would trust on uh their opinions saying that they had watched a uh a modern scary movie and that it actually uh, kind of jolted them a little. So I was curious. I don't watch a lot of newer stuff just because there's a lot of older stuff that I haven't seen yet. And that's kind of on my radar. So it's rare for a newer movie to take precedence and get to the top of the list for me. So it gave me an excuse to do it. All right. Thanks guys. Good time. It's been the Midwest Monsters Podcast. All right, wrapping it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Todd, hit us with a premise. All right, so um, uh, so we're kind of like a little farmhouse, and uh, it starts out with um, uh, the mother, which I um, I don't even know if they mention her name, nor that is mother. Um, so uh, there's a, a mom and. Uh, I keep saying mom like she has young kids, but um, an older lady and her husband who is not quite sure what has happened, but he is basically bedridden, um, kind of like in a, almost like a comatose state. Um, mom is, um, 
seeing some weird shit and um, hearing voices. And um, she tells her kids not to come, but they come anyway. So um, we get um, her daughter. Told me not to come. Her daughter, um, is it Louise, Lois, Louise, and uh, Michael show up. Um, Michael has left his family um, to come, and, and they're trying to see what's going on because um, mom is being kind of weird. And then there's also a nurse involved. Um, so the nurse is telling the, the, the kids that, that mom, she's confirming that um, the mom has, like, been talking a lot of weird stuff to the dad, but she's noticing that she's not talking to the dad. She's talking to somebody else. Um, and so uh, things just get even weirder because um, uh, while mom's cooking uh, dinner, she uh, gets a little excited and cuts her, half her hand off. <laughs> and um, ends up going out into the barn and hanging herself. Finders. So um, things just keep getting darker from there. And uh, and the children, uh, especially the the daughter, starts experiencing some of the stuff that mom has uh, has seen. Um, adult children. Adult children. I think the distinction has to be made. Um. So, um, you know, there's some weird stuff with sheep and not talking about like the hillbilly movies, but, um, like, uh, at first it's mostly the daughter, but then the, the, uh, brother starts, uh, for some reason he's a dumbass though. So he's always like, well, let me experience this by myself in the barn. Uh, they receive a phone call, which is their mom calling from the dead, uh, telling them again that they shouldn't have came and, um, uh, there's a lot of sheep. I think they were sheep farmers, and so uh, something has killed and eaten most of the sheep. Um, they mention quite a bit keeps coming up about how they're basically atheists, like the whole family. None of them believe in God, and um, they find in um, in the mom's pocket when she had killed herself, there's all these little crosses. And, and she keeps singing, what a friend we have in Jesus. Uh, there's that too. And then... Uh, we get a mysterious priest that just shows up out of nowhere, and uh, man, as I think about it, it or does he? Oh yes. Um, not sure where I should stop. If this is a good stopping point, or <laughs> uh, let's catch up real quick, if we can. So, um, do I go to where where the priest is, or do anybody want to jump in with anything at this moment, like where we are so far in this movie? I will say the adult daughter, which. I didn't write down her name, uh, but I kept trying to figure out where I recognized her from. And she is from the Umbrella Academy on Netflix, season two. She is the uh, a love interest of Elliot Page's character. Gotcha. Uh, they find the mom's diary, which has some weird writings about how she's basically... Seeing what people describe when they talk about sleep paralysis, like dark shadow men, and the, it's it's climbing on top of the dad and killing him. Which shadow people stories are terrifying, by the way. If you've ever, oh, yeah. uh, late at night, ended up with headphones on on YouTube, and then been a grown-ass man terrified to go to bed. <laughs> shadow prefer, people will do it. I prefer not to talk about the shadow person right now. <laughs> okay. Um... Also get a great creepy scene of the mom floating, which is really not cool. Uh, (laughs) Shades of hereditary. And, um, yeah, we we got into the farmhand. 
committing suicide yet? No. Okay. Spoiler. It's going to happen. Yeah, so that's what I've got up to this point. I would like to mention at this point that my wife actually watched this with me, who typically does not watch our picks with me and doesn't watch a lot of horror, so she is not nearly as desensitized to things as I am. So it was very interesting to watch her reactions to things throughout this movie. But I will tell you, when she stand, the lady standing there chopping carrots and then just heads on out and starts chopping them fingers the same way, that was bothersome. <laughs> that was bothersome. Also, the daughter at one point is showering and sees the dad come to the shower and like freaks out about it. The brother runs in to rescue her and it's like the dad has never left the bed. And she's like, no, yeah. he was here. He was here for show. Oh, the show. Um, I, to note too, uh, I, I kind of watched this later in the evening. Usually my dad is in bed by that point. He probably was heading to bed and I turned this on and man, he watched the whole movie with me. So that was a fun, uh, Extra. I thought you were going to say you were showering and you had the credit and your dad was standing there. <laughs> no, my dad would have been like, get the fucking go to your bedroom. <laughs> Just the demons watch me. <laughs> okay, Todd. Uh, so, um, I think we kind of like lead into uh, the farmhand that was mentioned. So, um, he is kind of telling, uh, similar to the nurse, uh, just some just weird, disturbing things about their parents. And uh, eventually the the farmhand ends up killing himself. And um, I, I, you had mentioned that mom was floating, but she also ends up floating. And then uh, the next part, she's right behind the brother. Um, so some pretty weird, jarring stuff. And then, uh, like I had mentioned about a priest um, showing up and... Um, he ends up showing up one evening on their porch. Before that, they call him, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So this ties in. So this is an important piece in that notice what's happening here. The mom commits suicide. The farmhand commits suicide. And so when they try to call the priest just to get some more answers, he's like, how'd you get this number? And they're like, bro, you were here yesterday. He's like, no, I'm in a hotel in Chicago. And they determined that, like, his daughter had been in that town or on that farm and had killed herself or she had been murdered or something to that extent. Anybody want to back me up on that? Yeah, because I think he goes on to say that she sounds like his daughter. That too. Yes. But yeah. then you start to connect that maybe the farmhand had something to do with the death of that daughter because the farmhand sees a young lady right before he kills himself that like kind of convinces him to pull the trigger. Okay. Yeah. That, Go ahead. I was going to say, that was one of my major, one of my really only complaints with the movie is I don't feel like they explored that enough. They kind of dropped that in your lap. And I feel like they really could have built on that. And Spoiler alert. They didn't explore enough enough, but that's just me. <laughs> so, uh, but yes, uh... as you were. We get uh, the priest outside, and again, uh, brother's pretty dumb. So, um, you know, the door's open. Yeah, I went to high school with her brother. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> it's like, hey, you know, mom hung herself in the barn um, around this time of night. You should go out there and hang out. 
So similar, uh, Priest is outside and uh, he's telling them they, sh he's, they should just come outside and chit chat with him. Um, and uh, we kind of find out that uh, the priest that they're seeing isn't really the priest, but is Satan. Satan. Could it be Satan? Um, again, like, uh, I think the actor, uh, Xander Berkeley, they probably made a wise choice with him because he's usually kind of, um, he's kind of like a really medium of the ground actor where he can play like the nice, cool dad or whatever, but he's also creepy too. So perfect casting. Um, I think at this point I was already kind of, I'm, I'm gonna be honest, I was creeped out and, um, there's a lamp when we're watching movies at night, it's kind of, there's a glare. I watched this movie with a glare because I didn't want to turn the lamp off. <laughs> uh, the the pre that the, from that scene on, it was already because uh, I'd already felt like um, uh, not not so much. There's nothing to do with the witch plot wise, but like that feeling of when you're watching the witch, or at least for me, and definitely like you touched on a lot of hereditary. Brian um, Brian Blair also said he he kind of got a witch the witch vibe off yeah, of this movie. Yeah, I mean, again, no, not in plot, but um, just the feeling I got while I watched yes. it and creeped out in both of those films as well. So uh, I was highly creeped out at this point. And, man, they just kept – they really kept adding to it and just kept escalating and escalating to where, um, man, I, I think it was shortly after this scene that um, it, she wakes up the next day, which um, I won't go into in this. I don't want to talk about it too much because there's weird stuff going on at home, but uh, – I've definitely experienced what I would call the shadow man when I was a kid. And um, I don't like that kind of don't like to acknowledge what's in my house right now. And uh, I definitely wake up quite a bit, not lately, but um, have woken up because the lights again, you better um, call an exorcist. Uh, definitely you got many lighting candles. <laughs> yeah, I'm burning sage right now. So um, <laughs> uh, definitely have experienced the sleep paralysis and also the feeling that something's in bed with you. So um, this movie brings all that up. And uh, when the daughter finally um, wakes up, she calls her brother who's on the road and has just abandoned her uh, because he knows that she won't leave because of the dad and he has to get back home. Um, so he goes back home and opens the door to find his two young daughters have been murdered by mom who killed <coughs> herself. And so um, seeing this, uh, seeing the scene of his family, he takes a knife out of his pocket and slits his throat, um, which he, we then see that uh, none of this had really happened because the, the mother and the two children are walking in the door to find, uh, find that he had slit his throat. Um, so I guess even like leaving the farm doesn't really help you in this case because, um, you know, he still didn't make it. So um, then, um, because we don't feel quite alone yet, we get the nurse show up, and she lights a, um, uh, what kind of candle is that? Some sort of Jesus candle. Like Jesus, his baby mama, whatever. the um, saint something. Madonna, whoever. Um, so um, the candle's lit, and uh, things are, are, are somewhat okay. And then we get uh, the granddaughter of the farmhand coming over to tell her that he had killed himself and to sell some Girl Scout cookies. And also, <laughs> by the way, I'm pretty sure she might be Satan too. So, um, man, it just keeps going and going. And um, the um, candle burns out and 
uh, whatever the the nurse sees the bothers are so bad that she ends up taking a um, is that knit, a knitting needle a knitting needle yes and just stabs both her eyes out mm -hmm. um, as you will <laughs> and so um, where we felt a little bit of comfort because she wasn't by herself now it is just the the daughter slash sister and uh, and dad um, alone to to figure out what's uh, what's going on so I'll stop there and let everybody I guess catch up. You. This movie's a bummer, man. <laughs> yep. I'll uh, I'll chime in with once once we're done with with everything. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. Let's just wrap her up. So again, notice the trend: mom commits suicide, farmhand commits suicide, now brother commits suicide. Nurse. Nurse commits suicide. Okay. Finish. Um. We're basically at the end. I'm like, I don't. No, I said spoiler, but I still hate spoiling movies. Oh, you also get to see the old mom naked, which is not cool. <laughs> speak for, your, don't, speak hey, for yourself. Don't kink shame, all right? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm trying to think where I want to lead into, because really, honestly, just kind of a couple more scenes, and just kind of... Um, I, mean, I don't. I don't even know. Kind of like where it went. I'm like, I, my mind still hasn't decided how this movie ends. Uh, it's still playing. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and uh, weirdly enough, I'm like, I don't know if I want to see a sequel to this movie. I'm okay with just uh, I'm done. Um, uh, after I watched your brain, how am I surprised that you you're like, how can we make a sequel out of this? <laughs> I want to see more. <laughs> I want prequels. I want the dark. And then I want the wicked. So um, <laughs> if I had to sum this movie up, I would say this is Event Horizon on Earth. So um, uh, similar to when I first watched Event Horizon, and my friend and I had to go to um, a restaurant and talk about that movie for hours because I didn't want to go to bed. I had to watch, um, I think this was last Monday, so I found the Grammys to watch. I was ready for bed before this movie. I had to watch some kind of, a brainless thing for three hours to take my mind off this film just so I could uh, hopefully get upstairs enough to like just pass out and hopefully not hear anything. <laughs> Cartoons are the go-to for me after I've watched something that fucks me up. And I, I don't think we watched bed. episodes of Holliston. <laughs> <laughs> I put on uh, Antichrist and took my shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> Followed by Nephomaniac 1 and 2. Yes. I'm going to tell you, I... I also, with this movie, was kind of bothered with annoyance on the ending. Yeah, is I thought it was a cop out ending. Big, bigly, I agree. Yeah, because I mean, it, it didn't even lead up. It's not even one of those where like, okay, she's dying and she did. Like, you don't really know. Um, I, I don't. I have... I took it as basically uh, this evil presence is evil. It drug it out and drug it out and tortured them until it finally was like, okay, this is the end and, and gets into the dad and kills her. Um, I, for me, I, I like this movie. I think it perfectly illustrates why a good horror film doesn't have to be a good movie because this has so many effective scares in it. It I, absolutely does. The thing is, is, I, jump scares, whatever, but it's been a while since a movie actually gave me the chills 
this actually made my hair stand up when um, actually two different scenes, both the, the same kind of thing where we have uh, the priest, uh, Xander Berkeley, and then the little girl later when they pull the rug out in their tone and what they're talking about and just completely change it. I mean, that literally gave me the chills. Um, the visuals, I think, I think it's kind of pulling from some of that blueprint from A24 and the kind of patient bleak horror, like as we mentioned with Hereditary. There's definitely some similarities there. Um, and I agree. I feel like they hint too often at bigger concepts that they don't explore for a very simplistic, abrupt ending. So I don't, I don't want to discount what you guys are saying. I completely agree with that. But I think the journey there is worth it. Um, yeah, the, I, that, the scene with the, the brother uh, getting home as a dad and a husband, it's very reminiscent of The Mist with kind of that just ironic cruelty um, of, of what we've just watched. Um, but yeah, I just early on the finger chopping and, and what they're, what they go through. I just think there's too many moments along the way with this movie, um, to forget about it. I, I think that it's got some really, really genuinely scary moments. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And the wife thought so as well. She was thoroughly creeped out by this movie by the time we were done watching it. Just the ending left me flat. You know, Professor, it's not surprising. It reminds me a lot of that strawberry pie joke that you used to tell in social <laughs> games. It has no real ending. And so, yeah. The, my strawberry pie joke was longer. <laughs> it was longer than this film. That is true. Uh, I upset a lot of people with that. It was, man, was it fun. Uh, to let listeners know, I, I won't do the joke because we've already run long enough, but the whole fun of the joke was only for the person telling it. You would allude to uh, the phrase like strawberry pie and you keep waiting for there to be a hook and you should drag it out with this kid getting in trouble, kicked out of school, getting in fights with friends for saying this. You don't understand it. It goes nowhere. Uh, all the way up, I think, to him in heaven saying it and getting kicked out. My car, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's 15 minutes into the joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, Good callback. I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> Yeah, that's what the film reminded me of. Uh, I'll, so, I'll be sure to alienate some new friends with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm of the same. But I, even though I found the film to be creepy, I I uh, uh, take a different stance in that I think it's going to be pretty forgettable because there was no real thing that set it apart. Like... You know, like if I see one cut of the dead on the shelf at the store, I'm going to buy it. But if I see this on the shelf at the store, I'm not going to buy it because I have no interest in rewatching it. It's not a bad movie. It's just not a, a great movie. And it's just just left me feeling a little lukewarm. Yeah, I, I think, too, I, I might be a little bit more forgiving in an era where we have nothing. <laughs> There's like hardly anything coming that's out. Fair. And yeah, no, in, comes, in comes this movie that packs a pretty good punch. And I think that that helps its cause in fairness. If this came out three years ago, I might, I might be a little less forgiving on it. Yeah. I was going to say Cisco. I, uh, I have to totally disagree with you on there. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I, it, I thought it was a good film, uh, good actors. Uh, the special effects were, it's really weird because there's some good special effects, but they also kept them minimal and didn't go overboard with them. So everything was, was believable and creepy and, 
I think the fact that a lot of things weren't explained probably made this scarier to me, because if I'm being honest, I think some of the scarier stuff, um, like I think of any movie that has a sequel, like uh, Freddy's a great example. Nightmare 1 used to terrify me, but as they go, you know so much about Freddy that you don't care anymore. Um, or, you know, I had to have three other movies tell me why Norman Bates was a killer. When you don't know stuff, it's scarier. Um, that's why Event Horizon is scary, because it doesn't um, really fully explain what the hell's going on. Um, but I think it does, and the hell is this dimension that they're in. But like, we didn't ahead. have ten movies, and, um, <laughs> you know, or the director's cut where we see what they do to themselves. But, um, yeah, that was good. Uh, my dad, who loves, like, this is all he does is watch scary movies, actually said, um, well... I guess uh, I'm going to go to bed now. Uh, I think he was pretty creeped out too, which was, uh, I thought, a good touch. And I was actually going to watch this again the other night when I had friends over. But Dad watched movies with us, and if my dad's seen a movie, he'll tell you what's going to happen before. So um, couldn't do it. But I definitely want to see somebody's reaction watching this movie with them. Um, I would highly recommend this, especially that um, I thought there's been some good horror movies in the last couple years, but there has not been a lot that's like really scared me like this so i was impressed yeah i would recommend this to to any horror fan even if you don't love it i'd recommend it yeah yeah i'd recommend it yeah i can't argue with that yeah if it's in the dollar bin robert recommends it i would (laughs) i would even pick this up in the dollar bin (laughs) (laughs) so if you if you're really looking for a downer, friends, we've given you three great films to choose from tonight that you can really just That's nice theme. have a bad time. Which is just uh, quite ironic. I'm usually the Sylvia Plath of the group, and I'm the one that picked the bubbly one. <laughs> for our next match, let's, uh, let's try to make that a common theme. It's just the most depressing we can pick. But come back strong with another French film next time. Be prepared for martyrs on our next theme. <laughs> is, that the, is that the version with the laugh track? all right friends well thanks for joining us for another monster mash we've been the midwest monsters i am grizzly abner and i've been joined by professor wagstaff venomous Vinny, hot toddy stay scary Is this the part where Adrian Brody comes out dreadlocks?